Join the Jones family with their grown children as they sit around the table to share their passion for marriage, family, and boundaries while providing inspiration, practical tips, and insight into a simple life that glorifies God. Whether you're a Christian or not, there will be takeaways to heat up your marriage, train up your children, and navigate this culture with more wisdom and perspective. Well, I am super excited about recording this episode because we have talked a lot about how our family is passionate about family, about boundaries, about marriage, about intentional parenting, and of course about Christ. And my idea for tonight, because we all now know that we record these at night, that's no secret, (laughs) for Saturday Morning Crew Season 2, Three. 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 Episode three is what we're on. We are going to talk to Padre about why he's so passionate about men leading and men leading their families, their wives, their children, and men being men. And everyone was in agreement this would be a great topic. So on that note, um, I do want to also say that part of this is learning more about your testimony because part of your testimony as a Christian is realizing what you wanted to become in Christ and with his strength and wisdom and discernment through his word. So why don't you share part of your testimony that links for the listeners when you realized a man's role in where you were at that time. So, so basically part of this is going to feel like you went to Emmaus. Did you talk about going to Emmaus before? Um, I don't remember if I talked about that. I think you have. I think you've talked. You can, you can say it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Brief over that. And then also just tell, tell the part of your testimony that where we get to brand new church, you know, some of those moments that you've shared with me, because they weren't my moments. Mm -hmm. I was on the receiving end of your growth, but they weren't my moments. They were your moments. And how um, Shannon O'Dell from Brand New Church, you know, the words that you heard him say Mm -hmm. that um, really resonated with you and helping you become the man that you are today, which obviously we're all flawed, but I think you're pretty amazing. So go ahead. Okay. So, uh, quickly recapping uh, Emmaus. So, there's a retreat called A Walk to Emmaus, which is based off the scripture. And in that retreat, um, they have a women's and then they have a men's, different one. But part of that is a process of there are speakers that come in that are from the church typically. There's seven speakers because there's seven miles on the journey to Emmaus. And there's just different points throughout that weekend where you have an opportunity to pray and to be around people and to hear people's testimonies. And during that weekend for me, you know, God had been working on my heart leading up to that. Um, and actually really engaged me around the time of the passion of the Christ that Mm -hmm. we went and saw. Yep. And, you know, if I look at, that starting point in thinking about how watching that movie 
and thinking to myself, if this is real, if what Jesus did in the movie is real, I'm not worth that. And then going to Emmaus and listening to men who I looked at in the church at the time as leaders, like, you know, what, what I would say is an outstanding, an upstanding citizen, however you want to describe it, in the church, people that were um, leading. Uh, leading. They were in the leadership roles. Yeah, leadership roles yeah. in the church. And then listening to some of them sharing their testimonies and their struggles that they were still dealing with was this awakening to me of going, so I don't need to have it all together. Mm. And there's a moment in there where you're, you're given an opportunity to receive Christ and they, they go through this. I, I can't explain what it is because if you ever went on it, you, I don't you don't want to, wanna, it you want right? to ruin it for them. But I, I remember realizing in that moment that who I was, was not going to work. I was not, the father that I really wanted to be. I wasn't the husband that I wanted to be. And I remember making um, this decision in this point. And at that moment, I, I felt like somebody had taken about a thousand pounds off of my shoulders and my, my back and my chest. And, um, so Emmaus, obviously, turning point for me. I felt like I came home, was a different person. Um, God he definitely was, was. God was really working on me, and and, and even in that in those moments, I was around men who were in the church, and I remember being so excited and sharing it with people that, as I would share it with people, some of the other guys that were around would make the comment like, don't worry about Jeff. He's on top of a mountain right now from the retreat. He'll come down eventually. And that really bothered me because I started to think about uh, the passion of the Christ. And I started thinking, if Jesus died for me and he went through what he did for me, then why would I not want to be on the mountain all the time? Mm -hmm. And I remember using the scenarios like if Jake were someone who rescued me from drowning and risked his life for me, every time he would walk into the room, I would be humble that he was there and I would share people. I would share that story about people, what he was willing to do for me. And in, in seeing that and hearing that, how people were just kind of lukewarm about their walk, it really upset me. A year after, around a year after I, I became a believer, gave my life to Christ at the retreat, we moved to Arkansas. Um, we sat under Shannon's leadership. Would never have walked into a brand new church if I'd have known it was a Baptist church because I wanted nothing to do with the Baptist church. It's another part of my testimony. Um, but listening to Shannon preach and the passion that he carried on the stage, off the stage, really helped me understand that 
here's a guy who is excited about Jesus and just had something about him. Well, he first of all, he was a man's man. Definitely a man's man. So it wasn't like those TV evangelists that, you know, had the comb over. Right. They, you know, they weren't, he wasn't overdone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He did not fit that mold that you had seen growing up. And I just want to preface you don't have hard feelings towards a Baptist church. You had hard feelings towards those you witnessed around you that just so happened to be worshiping in a Baptist church. So we don't want to make, you yeah, know, yeah. Make those well, well, that was the thing. Like whenever I, when I say that, I never would have stepped foot in there because I, I did, it was a Baptist church. The, the reason why is it's kind of like if you go to a Chinese restaurant, one Chinese restaurant and you have a bad meal. Yes. It's a bad thing. Right. If you go to two Chinese restaurants and you have a bad meal in both, at some point you go, I'm just not going to go to Chinese restaurants anymore. Right, exactly. So I had had that experience in my up, you know, in my late teens or early teens mm-hmm. with the Baptist church, not only in the experience that I was having within the walls, but just seeing the people outside. And it, and it never made sense to me um, the way they looked at people and how they treated people and then how they were one way during church service but the rest of the week, they're a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And that hypocrisy kept me from God. And to fast forward in my life and to see someone like Shannon, and not just Shannon, but many of the men that worshiped at our, at our church in Arkansas, to be excited for Jesus. And that was seven days a week. Right. And yeah, they were manly men. They weren't you know, comb over Carl. I mean, they were just like on fire. Um, so, you know, sitting under Shannon and seeing that, I, I, I think when I look back in those situations, if, if I were to kind of title what I looked at in those, in that part of my life, but before Jesus, I was insecure uh, I did really good in the business world, leading and being where I needed to be. At home, I did not. And I never felt like I was good enough for you. Like, nothing that you ever did, but I always... There's a difference in feeling blessed that I'm married to such an amazing woman. But when you allow that to get in your head, that you go, I'm not deserving of her, and therefore... I'm always concerned that I, I, if I step the wrong way, if I do the wrong thing, I'm going to upset you. And then what that ends up doing you personally is it emasculates you as a man because you're so weak in those moments because you're so afraid mm-hmm. of nothing, right? And when I, when I, when I shift from going, let me be, instead of being fearful let me be fearfully made Mm -hmm. and shifting over to go you know if if god's done what he's done for me which he has then i need to be the best version of me that i can be i need to be more alive in this world than i was Mm mm-hmm and I have roles that God has given me to play as a husband, as a father, 
as a man in the community, as a leader, he's given me those roles and he's put me in those positions. So therefore, if I'm not allowing myself to be a better husband and a better leader and a better father, then the fears that I had before Christ are more likely to come true because I'm not fulfilling the roles that I'm supposed to be fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And then when you add to that the, the recognition of the fact of the generational impact that that can make, where if my daughters don't see a, a dad who's being a strong husband, if my sons don't see a dad who's being a real man, then it doesn't stop. It just continues on. And this weight of worry became more of a fuel for growth. Is that? Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when do you remember... Like, was there a special message that Shannon preached or someone else preached that helped you understand what those roles were? Like, I remember one that was preached that Shannon asked the men to take the wives' hands. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, Shannon, Shannon, I I guess to answer the question, first of all, Shannon would do that a lot to us. Like, um having you take your wife's hand and if there's something you need to confess, if there's something you need to change, like squeeze, squeeze her hand. Yeah. And <laughs> many, many a service when I had nothing I needed to do other than just pray for no muscle twitches in my left hand, you know. Um, I but think I remember that. I remember, yeah, I remember praying it. for you that you were listening to that message because I knew you were ready to receive it. Well, I think that if I were to narrow it down to one message, mm-hmm. It was when Shannon did the whole message on a submissive wife. And oh, yeah. the the church world wants to call the submissive wife and, and the world wants to say that's making the woman weak and less than and, and all this stuff. And what Shannon talked about was that submission is submission and that the woman has an incredible responsibility And that incredible responsibility is that she has to be under the mission of her husband, which makes complete sense. Like you, you have to be the biggest cheerleader Mm -hmm. for your husband. You, you have to be there to support his mission. And then at that point when he goes, but men, if you don't have a mission, if you're not leading, she's got nothing to support. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's that realization that, our failure as husbands also doesn't allow our wives to be all in they their can fullness. Be. Yes. You know, I say that all the time, but I don't know if I really understand how to say that. Like, I remember saying one time that you can stunt my growth. Yeah. Because we're one flesh. So yeah. if there's this dead weight spiritually. Mm hmm. I can only go so far without leaving you behind and making you feel not part of me. Well, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, if, if yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause like you said, you're one. And so if you're not walking in sync in the same direction towards the same mission, then one of you is dragging the other along and eventually that it gets heavy. It gets right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, 
it's a world where so when I think about my life I, I think about if I'm focused so much on failing I don't give myself the opportunity to succeed mm-hmm. you know because you, you're never going to you, you're never going to run a mile if you never leave the gym like you, you know what I'm saying like you, you just we we worry too much as men because we're we're prideful people, and in I think in today's world most no, I won't say most a lot of men just struggle with who they are whether they're eighteen twenty thirty forty um, and they they may just feel like insignificant mm-hmm. and they're just it's fear. You know, there's just a lot of fear that we have. And and fear disguises itself in many ways. Like, my fear could be disguised as, we'll say she's a strong woman. She's a smart woman. I'm going to allow her to just do what she can do. Yeah, lead the home. She can can run it. Yeah. You know? That's a cop-out is what that is. You know? Um, I don't want to disappoint her by making the wrong decisions. So don't make any. So don't make any. Right. Just don't, if you don't make a decision. You can't fail. You can't fail. Right. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Jake. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that men have a tendency that we have to be able to be fearless mm-hmm. when it comes to this world. And being willing to fail. Be willing to fail and, you know... And if we're doing our part, our role, when you do fail, Mm -hmm. we have grace. Absolutely. Because sometimes, like, Hannah and I, I know we can agree that sometimes we just want them to take the pressure off of us to make the right decision. Mm -hmm. Like, we're okay with them making the wrong decision, but we just want a decision to be made. Right. And and, and it may not be the right one, and we'll self-correct. You know, we'll, we'll write it somehow we make a bad financial decision like we talked about with the Broncos you know mm-hmm. we're we've all made bad financial decisions but we'll, yeah. we'll learn from them absolutely and and we've got to walk in sync as much as possible and me be willing to give you grace mm-hmm. there, there's be Christ-like enough to give you grace yeah there's three parallel paths that happen that can happen with a bad decision and when I look at that I look at it and go okay in a perfect scenario I make the decision we've had the communication about it and you and I both just made a poor choice Mm -hmm. okay lesson learned we both learned it we grow from it and we move forward you have the other path where the man makes the decision doesn't talk to the wife about it it impacts them in a negative way and it creates potentially issues between the husband and the wife because they didn't seek out counsel you know another person to think through it pride issues for the men they feel like they should be able to make the decisions you want them to make the decisions I'm going to make the decisions and you just need to abide by it that kind of a jacked approach the third way of it is man makes no decision. Woman has to make the decision. It's a poor decision. 
And then the woman looks at it and says, well, you weren't going, you weren't willing to make a decision. So I had to do something, mm-hmm. you know, so I haven't equipped you to make the decision, even though in scenario one, the outcome could have been the same, but I haven't given you the best opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. Which you, if, when you lay it out that way, it makes it so simple to realize the whole like thing that the best way to make a decision is for the both of you to communicate about it and then for the man to make the final say like we've mentioned before and i think that's where like you realize it takes a lot of pressure off the man because like we're not expecting you to go and be like okay i've got to gather all the data i've got to figure out all the plans i've got to do all of this and then i have to make the decision to report back to you no all you have to do is talk to me about it yeah and i think communicate about it and then make together really but then you have the final say yeah, and I think it's important to know, too, that, so two things. One is on that submission piece, wh- when that scenario came out, when that message came up and we were sitting in church, the other thing that Shannon said was he said, okay, you know, men, if you feel like you need to step up and lead, you know, uh, squeeze your wife's hand. So I did, and I meant it. And the other part of that, though, was Shannon saying, now, ladies, if your husband has squeezed your hand, what you need to do is you need to support him in his decisions. The worst thing that can happen is that you can ask your husband to lead, and then when he makes a mistake, that you call him out on it. Because if he's fearful to lead because he doesn't want to disappoint you as his bride, then when he makes a mistake, instead of showing grace and you show more judgment, then your role has failed at that point, right? Because God could have done anything to show his love for us, but he chose grace. Mm -hmm. And I think men are challenged that we have to lead. We are supposed to lead. Women are challenged because they're more emotionally driven and their greatest opportunity in growth is continually knowing how to show grace. Mm Mm-hmm. So So we sat underneath Shannon Odell's leadership for four and a half years. Week after week, you're growing, you're growing. At what point, after you now understand your role as a man under God, did you start realizing that this is not, A, being preached many other places, B, that the culture doesn't support this necessarily. And C, you are realizing now that this is something that you really want to grab hold of and share with other men. Like, I know that that's... That's the exact same question I was about to ask. Are you serious? Yeah, I was just literally going to ask if there was a point where you realized that your passion was not only for your own home, but to help other people. Oh, great minds think alike. Hopi, were you thinking the same thing? I was thinking the same exact thing. That is <laughs> absolutely <laughs> insane. Right. That's crazy. All right, so uh, A. Oh, you don't have to follow up that. No, I'm, I was, uh, you, you threw three questions at me, so I'm trying to make sure I cover all your answers. When did I realize that it's not happening on a normal basis? Um, people aren't hearing this stuff. Honestly, you know, People talk about small town. We live in small town, Arkansas, and you live in this bubble. And 
all this stuff. And, and, and I agree, you, you know, you're, you're kind of limited exposure to a lot of things. On the pros, though, when you sit underneath a church and a leadership like we did, you have a false sense of reality thinking, well, this is what's happening in churches. Right, because you know? that was our, yeah, that, that was the church that we, right, yeah, that was a so church. And then, of course, the network of churches that Shannon communicated with a lot, they were all the they same were all way. the same way. Yeah. So um, I remember moving, getting ready to move out to Virginia and talking to an evangelist that was visiting our church and saying to him, hey, I'm moving to the Richmond area. Can you tell me about a church out here that's kind of like Brand New Church? And his response was, there are no churches in the Richmond area like Brand New Church. Well, there was one that was mentioned. He and did it not was mention it, though. Who, who mentioned the wave? Um, Years, like literally right when we were getting ready to move, someone mentioned, there yeah, is one in Virginia Beach. There's in Virginia one. Virginia Beach, yes. And it's called but the not wave. Richmond. Right, and that yeah. wasn't Richmond. So. Right. so the wave was mentioned. The wave was mentioned back then um, by Ken Freeman. So when we moved out here, um, went to several churches, tried several churches out, sat in different churches for multiple times. And you honestly, I mean, I honestly just kind of went through a lot of different processes in my head of, okay, it's not happening right now, but it'll eventually happen. And then a year goes by and you're going, I still haven't heard anything. Um, well, and that includes the topic of marriage too. Like how, yeah, we I mean, went it's, it's how marriage, many it's, years? It's men leading, it's marriage, it's parenting with yeah. the father and the mother's role. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember hearing pastors in really big churches in the area going, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, going away with my wife on this trip because we haven't been away together one-on-one in 13 years. I'm like, how in the world do you expect to energize and improve your marriage on an ongoing basis if you're not investing in it. Because I guarantee you that those pastors are spending a tremendous amount of time writing their messages so they can stand on the stage and preach, but they're not taking any amount of time to invest in their marriage. That's a different subject. But, so I I talked about that part of it. So. When did I, what? What was the next question? I mean, when did you realize that it, that you weren't just passionate about this for like your life and your home, but that the world was missing it too? I mean, I think really when we started hanging out with different people in this area, you know, like I saw people that were really biblically knowledgeable. Um, and then I would go and visit family. And I, j- I guess I just really wasn't seeing the passion and the fire and um, you know, it, it's, I know I get passionate about these things, like as far as marriage and all that, but you know, I was just sitting here thinking about one of the reasons why I get so passionate about it is because I care so much about people. You know, when I look at, um, a, a guy who is not fulfilling his role as a husband. There's a, there's a part of me that I get frustrated with that because I look at that and I'm going, you are missing out on what God has designed 
because you choose not to pursue it. Or maybe you're ignorant to what the or design you're is. To, yeah, because it's not talked about. Right. Which and that goes back to the churches. Which frustration yeah. to the church. The churches so. or their fathers. Yeah. And, and go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I mean, another question I had thought of earlier when you were talking is that I'm no historian. You know that, right? And I don't know if, I know we've had conversations, but I don't know what you think about what, what do you attribute to the biggest historical event or the, what changed? Because obviously the picture of, you know, leave it to beaver or whatever. I don't even know what all the father, old, knows, best. father knows best. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not leave it to beaver. But you know, when you, when you look at the uh, nuclear family, mm-hmm. dad, mom, children, mom usually stayed home. That doesn't mean she didn't do anything. Doesn't mean she wasn't smart. She ran the household. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you had women's liberation, like the, the equitability of women to vote and yeah. to get an education and all of these things, well, then more women were in the workplace, but you also had more dual income households where the father was absent in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. But the father was absent before that. Before and anyway, and it, yeah. and he was still he was still there and present and leading. Like I don't know, I don't know what you think. Well, I mean, like what changed? Or did nothing change? I mean, Has it always been this way? Well, I, I don't know what it was really like before women's lib, right? Because I didn't live then. Um, but your mom talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. But but I you know I, I was as you're saying that I'm thinking about like this pursuit of the American dream where both people had to work and this independence and. And all that. There is a part of that, I think, that made sense to some degree where it allowed women the freedom to go out and become something something. outside the home. Yeah, because you're gifted as a woman. And if you don't, if if you were to take the extreme of one side where you're just stuck at home and all you're allowed to do is cook and clean and raise kids, then the world's missing out on a gift that you've been given that could bless so many other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, look at you what you do today. You know, I mean, you you follow what God's telling you to do in the ministry, and you you help a lot of people. Not well, I you help personally, but I lead a lot of passion, people that help a lot of people. Yeah, your passion for what you do impacts a lot of lives so on that note i do think that there was a there was a time period where there became a movement of people not necessarily looking for independence but i think it became more of a selfish society because you know both of my parents worked for as long i mean my entire life for as long as i can remember but I will say this, if I look back in my life, we had dinner together, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, my mom had to do a lot of things at night with her job, but I have a lot of memories of dinner, mm-hmm. you know? And even if it was every Friday night, she would bring Popeye's fried chicken home, mm. 
you know, whatever it was, right? <laughs> I mean, that was that was the thing that we did. Yeah. And I remember that. So it, it, when you when you move to what it's if you move to me and everything's about me, which part of the women's lib is about you need to do what's good for you, not for anybody else, but you then you've lost the intentionality of the, f the unit of the family. Because the only way the family unit works is the intentionality mm -hmm. of every member of the family. Mm -hmm. Right? You can have a wayward child because they lack the intentionality of investing in their family. You can have a, a, a divorced parent because it could be that they lack the intentionality of investing in their marriage. Mm -hmm. So what's happened is and it's even more now where everything's about what I got to do to take care of me and I'm, I'm not self-care movement it is it's 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 all about me it's yeah it's it's all about like you and and each person but also like it's it's almost like they teach that every person is their own unique unit instead of being a family unit so like okay this kid can go out and do whatever they aspire to do and this parent can go have whatever amount of jobs and work hours they want to have. And and we all are on our own and we just see each other in passing versus like what it was designed to be like you're describing as a family unit. And so you're you all have a a clear mission and vision of what where you're going and how to get there. Right. And so when you have that, you know, like what your job is, just like in a, any kind of like workplace. Yeah. And. The, the challenge is the only way you can invest in others is to sacrifice something of your own. And people don't want to sacrifice. You know, people don't want to give up their time to do something for someone else. Well, let's... Oh, you're I, and I generally speaking. Generally speaking. Well, yeah, generally I mean, speaking, generally culture, speaking, your the flesh is going to get what you want it to get. Like, in the course of a day, like I just read something about this recently. Like, in the course of a day, you spend more time determining what you're going to eat what you're going to wear to make sure that your needs are getting met than you're ever going to spend on like somebody else so like that's just like that's just how it is mm -hmm. so you have to be intentional about time that you invest in others yeah and, and it's transitioning from you know way back in time when you think about men our jobs back then were to go and fish or to hunt or to whatever, right? And, and to hunters and gatherers to bring in the food for the family. Right. But even if you think about my parents' generation, it was the, the, the father's role to make sure that that was happening. Even if it was the kids that were helping with the harvest, the, the, the father was generally the one who was up before everybody else and went to bed, you know, exhausted because he worked the entire day he was leading by example in an ideal situation um but it, it, it does come down to the sacrifice side of it yeah and hopi jake well <coughs> way back in the beginning when this all started you mentioned that you were leading at work but not at home my question was going to be once you started leading at home, did that change the way you led at work? Hmm. Good question. Thank yeah, you. it did. I mean, I think because there's also that there's the transitional period that when I started leading at home more, 
I was also becoming a stronger believer and I feel like I was kind of tapping more into who God was creating or who he created me to be, um, which then gave me more confidence across the board, which I think at that point made me even a better leader. But it also kind of ignited an even deeper understanding of my passion for people the only reason that I feel like I wanted to continue to grow as a leader is because I was, as a leader, I was given accountability for the lives of people. And if I had 140 people working for me or 14, their failure was my fault. Their success was my responsibility. And it was transitioning that thought process from the, the office to the home was important. And then when I did that, I feel like it made me a better leader. Um, of course, you'd have to ask people that I led, I guess, at that time. Which brings us to presenting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we need to bring in all daddy's old coworkers. <laughs> On the phone we have. <laughs> <laughs> so... Is there any testimony that you want to share with our listeners about a time that you were able to help another young person or even someone your age where you were able to make a difference in someone's life by just being available to talk? Because I know, you know, we can craft small groups and fill the house with a bunch of men that are just hungry to to glean from your wisdom, but really the impact is more made in the everyday, just talking to whoever wants to talk. Yeah. Whoever you run into at work. Um, I know that I'm asking this, but I do know that there are many people that you have talked to. And if, even if it was a conversation like, Hey, I'll pray for you or you gave little tips or whatever, um, or shared truth. And then you saw impact. Yeah, uh, you know, that's probably the hardest question you've ever asked me. <laughs> well, I, w I actually had a harder one. Do you want to answer this one? In what ways? I'm going to try to stump him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm no. I'm so glad you're getting all the questions. <laughs> In what ways have I done well at supporting your mission? In which ways have I, do I, have I grown or have more work to do? This isn't about you, mommy. No, I just, no, kidding. I'm just, no, the, but this is, this is speaking to the women who might be listening and their husbands really want to start leading. So so this is more talking to, like what what has been, because obviously you have, you've, I don't want to say you've arrived because you, you won't arrive till the other right. side of heaven. But what I'm saying is you, got, you went from being one person and not really knowing your identity in Christ to now being this person is so passionate for men being men and men leading their families and their wives. So I had... I mean, I was with you through all of that. So in what ways have I been able to help and encourage you? And in what ways do you think that you've either, okay, so maybe you don't want to call me out, but have you witnessed other, maybe other women, what they could do a better job at doing when their husbands want to start leading? So you have to answer one of those two. Well, 
So here's my responses to all of it. Um, I, I really can't tell you a situation that stands out to me about somebody that I've said something to or done something to that has changed their... I impact. could probably... Okay. And, and, People and, and, come and to my mind when... when my yeah, me too. <laughs> well, but... If I will boast, I will boast in the Lord. I know. Right? I, no, I'm, no, I'm just, I'm just a messenger. Saying, yeah, but as I a messenger. Yeah, but I don't I don't honestly I don't I don't I don't honestly keep track of those things. No, no, no. I'm have. not saying keep track. I'm saying have you received feedback from somebody that said, Thank you for sharing that with me? I mean yeah, I probably have. I know you have. I'm just saying okay, like skip I don't that know. Question. Like I don't I, I, that, that's a hard question for me because when someone when I say something to someone or I do something for someone and it makes an impact in their life. You know, if they thank me for it, that that's awesome. So, okay. I so that. I think it's more the question of if there's somebody out there with, that would like to, because you always say, if you share your weaknesses, you build walls. If you share your strength, you build, no, if you share your weaknesses, you, you build, build bridges. bridges you if you strengths, share your you strengths, walls. you build walls. Right. And you sharing your weaknesses, your past weaknesses, your current weaknesses with other men you're building bridges mm -hmm. so i'm asking when has there been a time that you've been able to share your testimony with someone else about how christ has changed you and then they had never heard that before and it was a and it was impactful for their marriage and their home life i how mean yeah I, I think of a few people that i've shared my testimony testimony with but i don't i mean obviously i can't you don't want to speak about it you can okay that. well i was really wanting the story but that's okay well i mean there's been people in my past and that are still in my lives today that you know they we have a conversation about faith and you know they may have been raised in a jewish home and not practicing judaism judaism and because they've seen that because they knew me before Christ and they knew me after Christ and they, they saw something different in me and what I was talking about and how I was living it allowed me to share things in my life and mm -hmm. what God had done to me. And even in that moment, um, not seeing them make the immediate step, but years later, them calling me and sharing with me. Um, so, yeah, there's been those kind of situations mm -hmm. and that obviously are, are special moments to me. Um, but my my goal when I speak to people is not necessarily to impact their lives, but to hopefully show Inspire? them the right way, show them the right direction. Because um, I don't truth. I don't want credit for anything. I think I know I that. Know, I know. I thought so trying to like that question. <laughs> So the other the other question, like what what have what have you done? What could you what could you could do better? Sure. Or what? Yeah. What other I see other women do. So here here's the thing, and I'll say this without hopefully without crying. Um, probably the most impactful things that if I can encapsulate it is when you when you write down on notes to me that you're my biggest cheerleader, and that may seem simple, but the fact that you live that out 
and I've seen you over the years really live that out more and more. And, you know, you know me better than anybody else. You challenge me to become a better version of me. But at the same time, you encourage me and you're so willing to share with me how you see me as a person, you know? So it's one thing to say that you want your husband to be their best version, but if you don't live that in a way of continually supporting them and building them, th they're going to have a, have a struggle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you're just a great encourager to me. And All right, I'll share my weaknesses. I think I could do a better job at providing grace with the little things. Like, I, I expect... You know, there's times that Shannon will say something during a message and I'll expect after 30 years for you to remember something about me or remember what I like in this category or whatever. And it's always the little things. It's never the it's never the big thing. So I need to have more grace to not have those expectations on you because they're, they're little. They're little tiny things. Yeah, but see, I don't even think about that stuff because if you, if you do that, I, I don't. We're playful. Yeah, but I mean, it's like I used to. That used to bother me. Mm -hmm. I know. But, I, but again, <laughs> it, that that's tapping into. Like, if if Jake struggled with something. Oh, we're bringing Jake back into it. No, I'm just using him as an example. So, <laughs> yeah, if, Jake, no. if Jake was insecure about something, and even though Hannah knew that, if if he struggled in an area, and he let's say he made a mistake in that area. And she were to look at him and go, well, that's probably why you're so, you struggle with it. You know, it's because you just, that's, you keep making those little mistakes like that. But I still love you. You know, that, that little statement right there, which may seem an inch tall, cuts about a foot deep. Because that's an insecurity that you're carrying. So, when you stop being insecure about your relationship with your wife, then you realize that if she does say something, it's it's not meant to cut you down. It's 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 an observation. It's not like like th th there were legitimate moments in our lives together early on in our marriage. That, you know, you could say something because you were frustrated with me, and I'm walking away going, "She's going to ask me for a divorce." Like you know, mm -hmm. it was that silly, mm -hmm. and and today's world i mean you can get frustrated with me and i can just be like i get i can get frustrated but then i have to realize look it, it doesn't make that much sense right. to get if i if i didn't smell the milk and i drank bad <laughs> coconut milk and it freaked you out that okay. is it's that's a great story though i mean you have an iron you right had before you had we went to florida <laughs> how dare you how dare you not check the milk but never had a problem did sick. i it finally kicked in like two years later. <laughs> oh, that's that's it. That's what it that's was. That's the problem. Okay, so my last question to just like sum it up in the last couple minutes is like if someone's listening to this and they feel like convicted, like they need to squeeze their wife's hand. <laughs> um, like what would you say would be like 
what's like the first step or like the first two steps like practically for them to like apply this like it doesn't have to be like in the order of like step one step two but more no. like what how like how can they take your testimony and like use it in their own life so don't go to the baptist church no i'm just kidding um no that i was just no. kidding <laughs> i was kidding you said take my testimony so i threw that in there oh but if your wife is listening to this with you then more than likely if there's something that you're dealing with that you're insecure about or you're struggling with um you need to be able to just first of all tell your wife hey can we talk and ladies if your husband has said that to you then that's the moment when you need to really pull the grace card out like you you need to be willing to show grace I, it, it's it comes down to like, like you're really just kind of talking about this stuff right so but you both have to be on the same page and you're married you're god's best for each other if you're not believers you're married it's cheaper to keep her right <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but no, seriously you, you need to go into this thing realizing that hey guess what if i'm a man and i've screwed up on some things then i'm sorry and and i need that forgiveness from my wife but the same thing goes the other way too if your wife is screwed up at some point she needs your forgiveness as well that's probably not the answer you're looking for but i don't know how to make that live live your life like i can tell you what can i help you out here yeah, okay somebody please all right so what i would recommend if i could talk to a male that needed to squeeze her wife's hand i would recommend a man making the decision that they want to do better in this area and just humbly coming before his wife and saying, I haven't been the best leader. Um, and I really love you. I want our marriage to last forever. I want our kids to see a great example. And I'm willing to do whatever we decide that we need to do for me to get the knowledge and wisdom that, that I need to be a better man for you, a better husband to you. And a better father to our children if there's children involved. So, so I th and I, the reason why I say that is because I think that a woman needs to hear all parts of that, or else she's going to be like, yeah, he, you know, he always goes down that path, and just nothing ever happens after that. And, and that's an excellent point. And and here's what I would say about that, because you were you're making some great points about it with the assumption that everybody who's listening to this actually understands what leadership looks like in the male. Well, that's what I'm saying, that he would he would make the commitment to, they would get together to decide how that wisdom and knowledge would be received, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a book, or they listen to a podcast together, just anything. Yeah, I mean, really, if you're, if you're a guy listening to this right now, maybe the first thing you could do is you could look at your wife and say, what are some things that you would say makes a great leader in the home? That's good. And then let the wife say that. And then once she's done, be willing to listen and say, okay, 
where is it based off of what you've defined that I can improve? Because where you can fail miserably in this whole conversation is you can say, hey, babe, I listened to that podcast last night. How do you think I'm doing as a leader? Hmm. If you say, well, I think there's definitely some areas you could work on. But in your mind, what you defined as leadership are three things. And what she defined as leadership was six things. Mm -hmm. And the three that you're falling short on, the ones you're not even considering in play, then it's never going to be, it's never going to work out. Because as a guy, I can sit back and go, I think I'm doing a great job as a godly man in my home because I pray with my kids every night. I pray over our meals. Um, I, I go to church on Sundays with my family because men in general, we will find that even though we're competitive to some degree at Nate in naturally to some degree on other sides to make ourselves feel better, we'll set our benchmark based off the weakest thing that we see around us. It, it's, it's that whole conversation of, well, at least I'm not. Right. At least I'm not doing this. It's like you're checking a few boxes, but not the ones that she's thinking should right. be checked. Right. So getting on the same page with the definition of y what leadership is. You got to know if you're going to talk God's about where you're God's word is doing. clear on leadership. And so that's something to seek. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you got to be, you have to understand and define what it is you're measuring against first. <laughs> Ayo, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you liked what you heard, leave a review. We'll see you next time on the Saturday Morning Crew.